Welcome to the Setting the Edge podcast, episode two here, Justice Mosqueda, with my co-host, Charles McDonald. Say what's up, Charles. What's up, guys? How you guys doing? So, we did a horrible job of explaining who we were last week. <laughs> I didn't realize this. Like, if, if someone had just popped into the podcast, they have just no idea what our background is. So, um, I used to write for, or I used to do video cut-ups and stuff for Draft Breakdown. Um, I used to do a podcast with the homies, uh, Seth Cox. And Justin Higdon, which they're still keeping, go- they still got it going on. They still got great chemistry. I go on every once in a while. Um, I now do work for Bleacher Report. I write about gambling, the NFL draft, and I I'm part of the NFL 1000 team. Uh, I grade uh, NFC defensive ends every week, and uh, Charles is part of that group too. So Charles, plug every single other thing you work there and the Falcoholics, right? Yeah, so I'm doing the defensive tackles for the whole league for uh, NFL 1000. Um, your favorite team's defensive tackle. If it's not Aaron Donald, probably sucks. Um, and I do, like, every once in a while when I feel motivated, I'll do a film breakdown at the Falcoholic because, unfortunately, my favorite team is the Atlanta Falcons, and our season's only in heartbreak. But we're, we're riding strong right now. Can we start, can we start this, this uh, podcast off with a hot take? Yeah, go So I read a pro football talk tweet i did not click the article because i don't click articles because i'm from twitter i just read the headlines <laughs> and i'm trying to sharpen my hot take skills it says this was this happened at 3 30 a.m uh this morning i don't know why i was still up um it says matt ryan colon kyle shanahan would be a great head coach he fucking hates kyle shanahan already that's that's all that says to me uh, he wants out but at the same go get time- that head coaching job Nah, man. Shaney's got to stay. Shaney's got to stay. Think, he's not going to stay. Someone's going to give him money. Yeah, that's true. Someone's going to give him a lot of money. I just don't want to see that offense wasted in, like, Blake Bortles or Jared Goff next year. Just, like, <laughs> let, like, let the Colts fire Pagano or the Packers fire McCarthy and just go play with a good quarterback. Packers aren't going to fire McCarthy. We're going to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. I forgot we're, win- we're winning the NFC North now. You know Matt Stafford's hurt? Is Are you really? aware of that? No, I was not aware of that, actually. He changed gloves like 15 times. Oh, I saw that. I, I didn't know. Oh, I, I I He's got a busted up hand. Yeah, I never yeah. Really all right. Uh, what should, where, where should we go? Well, where let, should we go from here? Should we go te- what are we doing? Yeah, uh, I picked uh, one game from the 1 o'clock slate, one game from the uh, 4 o'clock slate, and uh, one game in the Sunday night game, 8 o'clock slate for us, elite East Coast time. Uh, so the 1 o'clock game is the Eagles at Baltimore, both teams pretty much at pivotal slates in their season. The Eagles are just trying to stay afloat, and Baltimore is now a, a game behind Pittsburgh or half a game behind yeah. Pittsburgh for that uh, AFC North title. So yep. they really need to keep pace with Pittsburgh before they kind of get lost in the, the waning days of the season. Uh, and they're coming off of a short, a short week, coming yep. off of a short week after going against New England on Monday Night Football. And uh, so <laughs> we picked Baltimore – in the spread, the Baltimore spread in uh, the podcast, right? And then my dumbass decided to switch it up like day of, and was like, "Nah, man, we're riding with the Patriots." And then they lose by they they didn't cover by a half point, so fuck me. <sighs> Should have stuck with this podcast. 
I know. I know. I don't right. have enough faith in Joe Flacco, the two hundred million dollar man. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the spread on this game? Uh, it's between five and a half and six, Baltimore. Oof. So if this game were in Philly, it would basically be a pick 'em. That's what this is saying. Uh, that's a lot of points. Yeah, that is a that's lot a lot of points. Of, that's a lot of points for a Baltimore team. That's not very good. Yeah, and you know, I think we were right last week when we were talking about how Baltimore wouldn't score that many points. And you know, if you really go back and watch it, their offense really didn't do that much. They kind of they got blessed with you know Cyrus Jones fumbling the ball on like two yard line on the punt return, and then they got Matt Slater fumbling the ball on the kickoff return after they scored uh, following the punt return and had you know they were already in the red zone. So. I still don't think Baltimore is capable of putting up that many points. I know for I, I feel very confident that the Eagles will not be able to move the ball at all against the <laughs> defense. There's another one where it's just put put money on the fucking yeah, under. Yeah, just man. put money on the under. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. So I'm looking at Baltimore's schedule right now. They have won by more than six points twice this year. Both of them were at home. Uh, it was against Miami when Miami like short circuited, yeah, which was, is like that's, I don't, that that's the fucking weirdest game on earth. And then uh, against the Cleveland Browns on Thursday Night Football, which the Browns were in for half of the game. So yeah, so I, that, I, that's that's pretty, that's that. So yeah. I don't know, man. I I think I would ride with with Philly on this one. Honestly. Yeah, I would too. If you can get Philly plus five point five, that's too many points. That's yeah. way too many points. It's 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 going to be a sloppy game. That's going to be unwatchable. Oh, God. Carson Wentz against Joe Flacco. Carson Wentz against that defense. So those receivers, are the these like the worst receiver? No, San Francisco. Never mind. Yeah, San Francisco would kill the head yeah. Eagles. <laughs> and what happened last week kind of with the Ravens defense, you know, Blount kind of bulldozed them late in the game, but I, I don't see Ryan Matthews or – Darren no. Sproles doing that, or yeah, I was gonna say Darren Sproles is their like number one back right now. That's not yeah, it's not running run through the middle of that team. No, and he might even be out because remember he got that cheap shot on the punt return last week. So yeah, it's still a, a mystery if he's gonna play this week. We talk, Terrell Suggs upgraded his aesthetic. Terrell Suggs like he he like got like a different helmet. It's slimmer, and he like the the visor on it looks good, and it's like he looks fifteen years younger. I think he's gonna be able to play like another ten years. Still needs to upgrade that gum line. That is hideous, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but look, I'm not gum shaming. I'm not gum shaming. Gum shaming on this podcast. You won't trap me into it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're good on Philly plus five point five. All right, and the next game we had was New England at Denver for the uh, 4 o'clock yeah. slate. So New England's either a 3 or 3.5-point three road favorite in this one. At Denver. At Denver. Uh, there's this, there, Hold up. This is going to be horrible radio. There is a stat about Denver being underdogs and then basically covering every single time. So this year, Denver is – yeah, so Denver, Denver, Denver's 9-2 and two. As against the spread as underdogs in the past two years. Okay. So, I don't know. So, if this game were in New England, right, you flip the lines, right? Yeah. So, assume uh, this is probably, honestly, it's probably a four-point home favorite swing on both sides. So, that's eight points, right? So, New England would be, like, 12-point favorites at home, right? So, like, if you – that's the thing about gambling. Like, a lot of things, like, if you just reverse engineer the line and something doesn't make sense – that's the way you need to ride. So, like, at least there's three and a half point lines out there right now. Mm-hmm. That I would I would ride with Denver on that. 
like Denver losing by less than a or by by a field goal or less. I'd be willing to take that. I mean, I know you're not supposed to go against Bill Belichick, and that's kind of why I ended up riding with with uh, New England New England over Baltimore last week. But I don't know, man. That's that's a whole lot of fucking points for a road favorite. Yeah, it is. But the thing that gets me is like, we saw what Tennessee did to Denver's run defense last week, and, and they just kind of just yeah right over them. And I think you know Blount was able to get off a nice little game against the Ravens, who have you know, astronomically better run defense than the Broncos. So I wouldn't really be shocked to see Brady, Belichick just say, all right, Blount, you know, go do your thing, and then we'll we'll set up quick, quick little passing game so Von Miller doesn't kill us, and we'll just kind Dude, of I don't, do, keep it that way. People aren't talking about how great of a year one is having. So he, he has, like, 14 rushing touchdowns or something like that, right? Yeah. Uh, well, like, oh, oh. I, I think <laughs> <laughs> last year I think – uh, the leader had like eleven, like Blunt's having like a crazy year, and like people, I don't know. That was kind of weird because people always talk about like New England having to upgrade and like you know Bill Belichick always just pulling running backs like it's nothing. Like he found like the first running back he's like given a damn about since like Corey Dillon. Yep. Yeah, Blunt has a uh, he has fourteen yeah fourteen rushing touchdowns on the year, which is Speaking, speaking of LeGarrette Blunt, so uh, LeGarrette Blunt went to that community college that was in Last Chance U, right? Yeah. Have you seen that? No. Yeah, yeah, I have. Okay, okay. So uh, I was watching that yesterday at like two o'clock in the morning with my roommate, as you would do on a fucking Tuesday, Tuesday night, <laughs> Wednesday morning, right? Like normal people think. And they were talking about they were talking about the rankings, right? And they were like, "Yo, like we're ranked number one in one poll, and then Colin is ranked number one in another poll." Bro, I. I want to I want to be able to rank community colleges. I want to vote in that, I mean, like just as take practice, because <laughs> no one's watching those damn games. <laughs> literally, no one's watching those damn games. Like it's literally like the stupidest fucking thing ever. They just give journalists the ability to vote on community colleges that they haven't seen. It's literally like staring at box scores and being like, oh, this team won by a lot, and this player had a bunch of yards. I think I think they should be up. Like it's the stupidest practice of fucking sports writing, and I want in on it. It's worse than like I want to vote like preseason. Division one rankings when you put Notre Dame in top ten and they come out yeah. get like four and eight. Yes, I, mean, at least I want, I want to vote. Games. People get actual votes for this. I want this. I want a vote in this more than I want a Hall of Fame vote. <laughs> I someone 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 will listen. We we got how many how many listeners did we get? We we got close yeah, to like we got seven hundred. Yeah, so we got okay. We got seven hundred. Someone has to know someone who can give me a vote on this. Yeah, if anyone we'll, can get we'll us, do, uh, I'll do what I need to have to do. If anyone, if anyone can get me or Justice, well, Justice, because I, I'm not interested at all. Junior college <laughs> top twenty five votes. Come on, we got we we got to make that happen for the podcast for the timeline. We got to do this. All right, so next game, what are we doing? We now? never even decided on uh, New oh. England and uh, Denver. Oh, I decided. That's a lot of points. Fuck that. All right, so three and a half, three Denver, and a half, Denver, Denver plus three and a half. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I'm going the other way. I like New England, minus three and a half. I don't trust That's fine. I'm going to feel fucking horrible when Paxton Lynch is in like four plays into the game and yeah, Garrett Blunt has like a fucking 400-yard game. So. Yep. And the next game we had <laughs> was uh, Sunday night, Tampa Bay at Dallas. So you you had a stat about Tampa Bay, right? Where they're basically averaging like 11 points allowed yeah, since they so, got so, their ass kicked. So since they uh, lost to Atlanta on Thursday night, they lost 43-20. to 20. 43 to 28 they've only given up 12.8 points per game and they've played new orleans and seattle in that same time frame so 
and San Diego as well. So, you know, their defense is actually playing pretty well. If you look at uh, the DVOA ranks for defense, Tampa Bay is ranked 10th. Uh, their pass defense is ranked 6th in DVOA, and their rush defense is ranked 21st. Which is crazy because they were getting dunked on last year. They were getting year. torched. And I think we, what you can really point to with uh, Tampa Bay's, um, at least with their pass defense improving, like Vernon Hargreaves was getting torched at the beginning of the year. Because when, yeah. they, when they had that uh, overtime game against Oakland, he gave up over 100 yards. And then four days later, he's playing Julio Jones, and he gave up over 100 yards then too. But pretty much, <laughs> yeah. So in the span of God, four days, he gave up probably close to 300 passing yards. And since then, he's he's been really good. He's been forcing us to run great in coverage. And I think Hargreaves and Brent Grimes kind of getting on his game and You've, you've really seen Gerald McCoy come alive as a pass rusher, like, the, the past Well, they, they got a lot of guys, too. Like, they brought Robert Ayers back. Like, Robert Ayers was hurt for a while. And yeah. then, like, Noah Spence is really coming on, too. Like, that – that I mean, I, I mean, both of us watch – the basically, we're assigned to watch their defensive line every week. Right. And, I mean, by far – like, there were a couple games, like, um, what was it, against Seattle? Where it was just, dude, those oh, D-tackles just destroying them every yep. single fucking every, play. Every single play. Every single play. So, it, I mean – that that defensive line, like it looks like they're getting hot. Like yeah. I I don't know how to explain it other than that. It's like for for whatever reason they've been able they've been able to develop and just play at a much higher level since you know Robert Ayers was <clears throat> Robert Ayers came back from injury and Noah Spence just I mean just turned it on. Yeah, but on the flip side, you have the Cowboys offensive line and Ezekiel Elliott coming into town. Right, right. So what's the uh, spread on that game? Uh, seven to seven and a half. Ooh. So Dallas would be Dallas would be a one point one and a half point favorite, short road favorite, yeah, if I, this were in Tampa. So I mean, I kind of like Jameis Winston to keep this little hot streak he's got going on against this Dallas defense. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think Dallas's defense is anything special. They're currently ranked twenty fourth against the pass DVOA and fourth against the run. So I, I think th- I think yeah. this could be a little game where Jameis and Mike Evans. Have some of those plays where it looks like it's about to be a disaster, but they end up just making some weird magical plays happen down the field. And I, I don't know if they win, but I think it's enough to keep it definitely within the, uh, the spread. Yeah, and, and <clears throat> the, the spread has kind of almost caught up with Dallas the past couple of weeks. Yeah. So, like, uh, they're, I mean, basically between uh, before the Washington game, that was, that was, uh, yeah, the Washington game was on Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. Yep. So, basically between week one when they lost to the Giants by a point when they were a one-point favorite, right? They ripped off and won against the spread every single week until Thanksgiving. Uh, on Thanksgiving, they ended up missing a cover by a half point. Against Minnesota on the road in a nationally televised game, their first, uh, with, I mean, at least under under this Dak Prescott-led team, right? Yeah, they missed by another half point, and then against the New York Giants, they ended up they ended up uh, losing straight up when they were favorites, and that was another tele- you know nationally televised rose. I mean, really, if you want to talk about it, I mean, they're just playing like nationally. I mean, these teams are basically playing in playoff atmosphere situations the past like three weeks, and they've not been able to cover the past three weeks. Yeah, and well, they do. Have, so this Dallas game is in Dallas, right. um. I just like I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see Tampa Bay win, honestly. I just really like what's going on in Tampa right now. 
they're in a situation. I don't know how you stop Mike Evans. Like that, right. <laughs> we got to clone his ass. Especially with uh, the six-round rookie that Tampa Bay is going to be relying on, Anthony Brown. He's had a solid year, but Mike Evans is just a different story. And, you, you know, the, the Bucks, they're, they're in a place where they really have to win out if they want to have a shot at the playoffs. Because Atlanta gets pretty much another guaranteed win against San Francisco this week, and they're they have a pretty good chance of sweeping both Carolina and New Orleans the way both those teams have looked recently. Yeah. Um, and I, what I think what you can see about Tampa Bay is, you know, our, our good pal Eric Stoner always talks about, you know, teams take on the the identity of either their head coach or the quarterback, whoever has a stronger personality. And you can really see this team rallying around James Winston. Like they they are just a nasty group. They're relentless and. They never really think they're out of the game. So I, I could really see Tampa Bay covering the spread and straight up winning. I really like Tampa Bay plus 7.5 if you can get that. Yeah, seven and a half makes a lot of sense. If it were seven, I, I would think about it like 15 more times and probably convince myself. to. I, I'd end up on the wrong side if it were seven every single time. I know it. Um, <laughs> whichever way whichever way I choose, I would, I would fucking lose that one. Um, but seven and a hook, yeah, I, I'm, I'm down for seven and a hook for sure. All right, so this week we have Philly at Baltimore. Philly plus 5.5. We are split on New, on New England and Denver at a yep. three and a half. I like New England. Justice likes Denver. And we both like Tampa Bay at Dallas plus seven and a half. Yes, sir. All right, so now we have, now that we got our game picks out of the way, we have uh, some important news to discuss. In yeah, uh, Bruce, what, Bruce Arians is a fucking liar. Yeah, he is a goddamn fraud. He is full of shit. Hold up. I got to pull up this tweet. I saw this tweet last night around like 6 o'clock or something, and I was like floored and basically texted every single – like texted and hit up on Twitter every single person that I know who's ever played O-line like in the history of football, and no no one no one co-signs what Bruce Arians says. So uh, Alex Marvez, who works for SiriusXM NFL, basically said – so he says he tweets out. Bruce Arian tells SiriusXM NFL that the Miami Dolphins illegally shouted out snap signal that led to a botched extra point in the Arizona in the Arizona Cardinals loss. Um, you don't fuck it. You don't have cadences on PAT snaps. That's not how it works. Like if you're a long snapper, it, it sometimes it works for. I, I know teams have done it on punt team, right? But PAT and field goal, that's not how that thing works. Basically, you have a center. He or a long snapper, whatever the hell you want to long, call him, right? Long snapper. Yeah, long snapper. I don't. The, the thing is, like, I've long snapped before, which is why I was like, bro, I long snapped for like six years, and I've been like, I played D tackle and D end on the other side, and I've never heard someone do a cadence ever before on like PAT. Basically, what happens is the holder checks, the holder checks the kicker. When the kicker's ready, then he looks down at the long snapper, flashes his hand, and the long snapper's looking down underneath because he can't be touched. Right. So he doesn't have to do anything other than the snap. And then every other offensive lineman, basically, when you see the defender react, you just step in. Like, there's no there's no cadence. There's no nothing. And, like, teams teams will, like, alter, like, or long snappers will, right? Like, if a team if a team is jumping on the flash of that hand, then it'll hold the ball for, like, an extra second. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's a... It's there's no communication at all. There's no vocal communication at all. And Bruce Arians is out here lying to you. Yeah, that was ridiculous. And if you go back and watch the play, the the holder does it, it exactly looks like what a normal fucking play. The, the holder it does exactly like what you said. He checks with the kicker, yeah. then he looks back at the long snapper, flashes his hand, long snapper waits a second, snaps the ball, and then Chandler can't cat in the zero, however you say his name, just he just shake the hell out of the kick. 
Just take the L and yeah. go home, Bruce. You don't need to lie to the people. This is crazy. Bruce Arians also – I mean, Bruce Arians is feeling himself. He's like – he's high off of that Amazon documentary still, I think. <laughs> he was like He's out here saying that like – he's like, man, it's, it's kind of he – ba- he's basically like – he's out here like tr- tweeting like Trump basically. He's like, you know, I think it's kind of funny how it's raining in Miami when we have the ball and not when the Dolphins have the ball, uh, you know. Yeah, Bruce. It's, cro- it's crooked weather, man. It's the crooked weather. Hashtag crooked, hashtag crooked weather. Hashtag jail Miami. <laughs> lock, lock the city up, man. Lock the city up. You're gonna I, be, bro, Bruce Arians walking through Miami like, Rebenga! Oh, my God. Dude. Bruce Arians is just oh. upset because his team sucks. He's getting no production out of any of his draft picks, and his quarterback is dying. So, at least you have David I, Johnson. I have to- I have to grade Robert Kandichi and I've maybe graded him in two games because he hasn't had like a significant amount of snaps. Yeah, he's at forty five snaps and pretty much Bruce Arians like came out and practice I think it was uh Oh god, like, he did it in like the preseason. He was like, Yeah, if he ever gets his shit together, he'll probably start rotating in the top two teams. Yeah, and then he did it like a month ago where he was saying, Well, yeah, we just I just don't think he's ready. I think he's gonna give up a lot of big plays. And then he came out and uh he was talking about Marcus Cooper this week, that cornerback that they have. And somebody asked him uh, if he was making any progress, and he was like, no, nah, it's pretty much been a failure so far. I was like, oof. Bruce, <laughs> Bruce is pretty ruthless with the Look, tongue, man. Maybe there was a reason why Bruce Arians didn't get a head coaching job until he was 60 years old. Maybe there was. Maybe. Maybe. Who's to say? All right. So we're done with that one, right? Yeah. Now we got to talk on. about uh, Johnny Menzel and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> so – I don't know. You do. Did you watch the Heisman live? Uh, a little bit. I was. I was a little bit. I was pretty. Dumb. So your 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 boy was drinking mason jars of rum and coke, like pre gaming while my friend my friends were. So basically, what's happening is like everyone's on break right now because it's the West Coast and we're on the quarter system because we're weird and we can't be normal like the rest of the country. Yeah. So like kids are out already, and like so it's either like homies in town who have come back from college and are like still living with their parents type shit, right? Where they're like, oh, I gotta find a job now. <laughs> basically like that that portion of coming out of college or it's homies who are still in college and are back for break and i'm like the token person with a with a house you know what i mean yeah so like yo let's all go over to justice's house on saturday night and like we'll go hang out and pregame there and i'm like yo you guys i'm like actually i'm trying to watch like dd westbrook highlights for like the next <laughs> hour I'm trying to watch this garbage ass 30 for 30 um so I, i'm like just chugging shit and i like i see johnny manzel and like, bro, it just—I instantly just went on Twitter, and I was like, "Oh God, this is about to happen tonight." <laughs> like, dude, people were freaking out about like just Johnny, like Lamar, like hugged Johnny, and they're like, "Oh my God, keep him away, keep him away." Whatever he said, do the opposite thing. And then like the funniest thing is they're like, "All right, as long as Lamar stays away from Johnny Manziel, he's gonna be fine." And then like Johnny Manziel like sends out a, a snap of like him and Lamar Jackson's like in Lamar Jackson's um, hotel, hotel room. room. With the Heisman yeah, dude, trophy, use it, use it, use it, the Heisman trophy as a as a freaking dumbbell, and it like <laughs> like just Lamar's in a fucking beater in the hallway, and it's just like cheesing. Man, it's the funniest thing on earth. I was I I was uh watching the Heisman with some of my friends <laughs> at his place, and we were just like bumping music and drinking. And as soon as Lamar won the Heisman, Bad and Bougie just came over on the radio. And, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, after that, come on, like. What do you hear? Raindrops. Drop Raindrop. Drop top. Yeah, I, it was over for me. So, like, I woke up the next morning and I saw the picture of Menzel and Lamar. And, oh, man, if, like, 
the hot takes from American Flag Twitter and Dog Heavy Twitter, they were they were out there. That wasn't even the best picture though. Did you see did you see Dave Portnoy uh from Barcel? Did you see his picture? No, I didn't see that one. He goes, I'll send it to you in a sec. I'll send it to you uh, on the snap right now. So he goes, yo, football, about time. And it's just like him with his arm around Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel just spilling Dom P from his mouth onto like Dave Portnoy's hand. Oh, it's like <laughs> the most savage thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy. Like the, the funniest thing is like you listen, you listen to podcasts with like people like Bruce Feldman and those guys on, right? And they're like, yeah. yeah, man, it's not the Johnny I was used to. But like hopefully this is a part of his life where like he can like mature up a little bit and he can have something consistent that he can come to every single year. And like maybe he could be a part of like this fraternity. And then you just see Johnny Manziel just spilling Don P fucking everywhere, looking like he needs like teeth bleacher. <laughs> oh my god, fucking worse than anything, right? Yeah. <laughs> I saw... Bro, look, all I'm saying is when we go to Mobile, if you see me and Charles hanging out with Chad Kelly, don't take pictures. Please don't. Don't take those pictures. It's not worth it. <laughs> also, right. that thirty for thirty is garbage. It, I, you probably didn't see it. No, I, I didn't see it. it. Dude, it's about Notre Dame basketball and like fucking like South Bend t-shirt capitalism. It's the fucking most disgusting. I that's not what I signed up for. I was so fucking mad. Yeah, everyone says that. I thought we were getting the U part awful. 3 and it was just the like most fucking boring thing on earth. Oof. All right. <laughs> now we need a people were asking you about your obsession with dominoes and your dominoes factor. Yeah, we need we just need some hot takes on that. Well, so basically, like, Hood River has, like, no delivery services because it was, like, it, it's, like, it's a small town, but at the same time, it's, like, they hate franchises because it's Oregon, and it's, like, that's what you're supposed to do is, like, you – big, big corporations, bad for some reason. Um, so Domino's Tracker, bro, I've been snowed in for, like – it's snowing again today. Like, I, I'm not going to be able to leave my house for, like, the, probably, like, a day and a half. Um, I've been snowed in and just basically just been called Domino's. Like I've eaten Domino's probably like eight times this week. Oh, it's pretty, it's fairly disgusting at some point. There's been times at my house, like I said, people have been over because it's like winter break and all those things. People have been over and I've like literally yelled at them and be like, yo, we got to clean the house before the delivery man gets here. Like my life, my life is basically in shambles at this point. Why are you working um, your life around the Domino's delivery man who's out in the snow? Man. Just take the pizza and close the door. That's what, I don't know, man. Uh, guilt, guilt works. Guilt works. I don't know. Oh, but like, I don't know, man. Have, have you ever like you've used the, like the Domino's tracker? Sometimes is like accurate, and then sometimes it's like it's, super not accurate. I, the I've, first time, Cole, go one go. One time I, I used it, and it said it was going to be there in like twenty five minutes. So I'm sitting here, you know, watching this little cartoon claymation dude put the stuff in the pizza and or put the stuff in the oven and make the pizza and put it in the box. It's like, oh, his things out for delivery. I was like, oh, okay, word. And I had to wait like another. 30 minutes before the pizza even got here and then I, that's when i decided you know what I, i'm i value myself too much i don't need to sit here and watch this little claymation <laughs> dude lie to me i don't need to do this anymore i'm gonna go pick up my own pizza or i'm just gonna make it myself so i, I mean i haven't eaten Domino's in like a year i was just fed up after that horrible customer service experience horrible I, I won't say those things Domino's. if you want to send me free pizza you can do it whatever you want <laughs> um yeah no it's like sometimes sometimes the tracker is like the wackest thing on earth that sometimes it's wild accurate like the i i the first time i ordered it when i was in the snow like i wasn't sure if like people were like they actually had like delivery drivers that could make it and it was just like yo preparing and it was just had preparing for like 45 minutes <laughs> pizza's not fucking coming and then I like I went to go to the bathroom, and then there's like a dude at like at my door, just like bah, 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 bah. like yo, come out, try to get these tips, man. It's fucking cold. 
All right, so five ninety nine. They got five ninety nine medium pizza, right? What are you getting? I'm not getting anything. I've what are you met- getting? Gun to your head. Because oh, Sully, 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 Sully Sparks, our homie, uh, shouts to Sully Football, shouts to the I Hate Sully podcast. Uh, he'll ride with like uh, the the Philly cheesesteak one, and that's fucking disgusting. Yeah, that's that's pretty gross. I, I'm gonna stick with a large, uh, like meat lovers pizza. I, I mm. like it. I like it. I like it meaty like that. Mm, pause. Well, pause. <laughs> your boy, your boy will just go pepperoni and jalapenos. Easy. Also, the worst, so the worst, the worst, like topping for sure. On the Domino's track, they have hot sauce on it, and like I don't know how that counts as a topping. It's not bad. If you, bro, if you get hot sauce, if you count your hot sauce as a topping, that's like I don't know, man. Check into a mental institution. I don't know about that. Big corporation. I guess so. All right, let's stop talking about pizza. Um, Frank Tarkenton. Frank Tarkenton had a hot take. This is Frank Tarkenton who uh, went to the RNC and spoke and supported Trump. Uh, He thought. So he, he tweeted out, watch Jared Goff play yesterday. I'm sure he's a great kid, but isn't very good at quarterback. First round draft pick, question mark, exclamation point. So like Trump supporter, that that's fine. But like Jared Goff has a first round pick. That's that's, that's where he draws, what, that's line, where he draws no the line. No way. That's fucking nuts. No way. <laughs> but to be fair, to be fair to uh, our pal Fran over there, Jared Goff was pretty awful versus the Falcons. Yeah. Versus no, the Falcons he was, defense. He wasn't that good in college either. Yeah. Versus Falcons defense that got shredded by Blaine Gabbert last year. My favorite thing is like, if if Jeff Fisher doesn't run Jared Goff at like the goal line and gets him like borderline concussed, does he still have a job? Because I, I, I think I, that has I, a lot to do with it. I think it does too. They were down forty two for people who didn't watch the game. I mean, it was just a slaughter. It, I've I've never I haven't seen Atlanta look that dominant in years, and the the Rams were down forty two to seven. With a few minutes left in the game, like literally maybe like three minutes left, and they got down to the goal line and they they ran a read option with uh, Jared Goff and Todd Gurley, and so so obviously the end on the line is not expecting Jared Goff to keep the ball, so Jared Goff pretty much has a free lane to the to the end zone until Keanu Neal is comes screaming down at him and just wrecks him right at the goal line, and just destroys just, him, just, just and he like he gets him. up and is like. He looks like oh man, who's there was a USC receiver who got knocked down and he like walked away and then like fell to the ground like he was like concussed a couple years ago and they're just like yo what just happened here that's what Jared Goff looked like yeah that's like a- he looked like he was barely able to stand up was like yo if I like miss my fucking balance in like two steps I'm done for that's what I was thinking I, I was like what are you doing and you're letting this kid who's he, he's listed at two fifteen but I really I don't think he's over two hundred pounds. Mm. You're letting this kid just get yeah. out here, get wrecked when the game's already over. I, I, I think that that might have been the final nail in the coffin because I mean they've been getting blown out all season. So what makes like this specific game any different with three games left to go? Yeah, I, I man, dude, fuck that team. That fuck game that against Seattle so is going to be ugly. It's going to be disgusting because, bro. I mean, I don't know. So, I mean, I guess if you're thinking like. The Rams, like maybe they cape up for the co- who's their who's their who's their interim head coach? I don't even see. Uh, I know it's not Mike team. Singletary, and it's I know it's not Greg Williams. It's their special teams coordinator. I I don't know his name. Are they really going to rally around a special teams coordinator? No, I mean, what's what's left to play for this year? Right, like that. That's the thing is like Todd Gurley out here calling your team a, a, a middle, middle school, school offense. offense. <laughs> well, I mean, they kind of all they do is they just run like some variation of like 
slant curls, like slant flats, in, or just dive up the middle with Gurley. That's all they do on offense. Or a little reverse Tavon. So it, it kind of is like a middle school offense if you, if you think about so it. So this, this is how disgusting the Los Angeles Rams are right now. Um, as a home team, right, in six games, they've scored 72 points. So that's literally, what is that, 12 points a game? That's literally 12 points a game that they're averaging at home. Um, there are, I mean, the majority of the league doubles their score, basically. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 teams. 22 teams double more than double their, their scoring average at home. And there's the New Orleans Saints triple it, basically. Ugh. That's fucking disgusting. They have six touchdowns at home. There's only there's only one team who has less than double of what they have at home. That's fucking nuts. They have six score they have six touchdowns at home in six games. I don't even know what do you do to start like rebuilding like just to rebuild the offense at least. Cuz the offensive line's terrible. Tavon Austin can't be your number one. They receive, guy. Yeah, they don't have a they don't have a number one receiver. They don't have a tie. I don't know that team. That team fucked up by taking a bad quarterback and using draft picks on it. Yeah, now the, the they spent a first round pick on it too. They spent another first round pick. Like the the Tennessee Titans are about to draft like John Ross in the first round because they they weren't. I don't know, man. What, Fuck this team. Like, yeah, they can, the Titans can add like John Allen with Darrell Casey and just run the AFC North for the next five oh, years. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, that's that doesn't sound very good. Uh, Marcus Mariota is better than Russell Wilson. Now, congratulations to Marcus Mariota, because Russell Wilson threw a five interception game. Okay, okay, but you know, how many of them were his fault? Like two. Okay, well, still three interceptions. Oh, is that still three? That's yeah. the, that's my favorite thing. Is they're like, well, he threw, he threw five interceptions. Well, two of them were his receivers' fault. Well, he, he still threw fucking three interceptions. Right, well, like, we can't praise Marcus Mariota for completing six passes on twenty attempts versus the Broncos either. He got a quarterback win. That's fair. He did do just but enough to get that precious, precious I, quarterback. I, I'm, I haven't, I haven't seen the updated Marcus Mariota stats, but I'm going to go ahead and say Russell Wilson threw more red zone interceptions in that game against the Packers than Marcus Mariota has ever done in his two-year NFL career. Well, that that'd be true because I don't think Marcus Mariota even has a turnover in the red zone. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Look, listen, listen. Go Ducks. All right, I'll, I'll let you keep that hot take. I need to, I need to think about that a little bit more. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the. Uh, we got some some Twitter questions. We do. We got a we got a lot of them. I'm sorry if your your guys' questions didn't make it on here. Yeah, um, yeah, we we did, we got too many. So if we if we didn't get to your question, submit faster next week. I don't know. That's all I can say. Uh, all right. So first one from our buddy Trill Weather Trill Withers at Tyler. I am. If Cleveland doesn't love a quarterback. Should they just trade up and get Garrett and Allen? And what he was saying was he like, no one expects Cleveland to win a game this year, but if they don't like a quarterback at number one, should they um, take Miles Garrett or John Allen first and then trade up again using Philly's pick uh, to get a quarterback? Well, first off, let, let's just start off with don't take John Allen with the first pick in the draft. Please, yeah, don't. don't 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 do that one. Miles, my, my, when you say Miles Garrett and John Allen, that those are different things. Yeah, those are different things. Miles Garrett can go number one. I don't think John Allen can. I know a lot of people are still mocking him there, and people are probably gonna look real silly because you guys are about to go into that. You guys are talking about okay. If you really think John Allen is like a 
he's not a D tackle, right? He's not a D tackle prospect, but he's not a true edge prospect either. So he's going to end up being a five tech, right? And a lot of the mind of the people who are super high on him, they're like, yeah, he's a really good three, four defensive end. Like we haven't fucking played this game for the past two drafts where we talk about Leonard Williams, possible number one pick, Forrest Buckner, possible number one pick. And then you're saying these three, four defensive ends fall down the draft because those positions are very valuable. Right. And I mean, I don't even think, I mean, this kind of ties into another question we got, but I don't really think John Allen is a, uh, uh, like a, a true five tech like that either, right? But he does. He's not really like he's not he's not Calais and he's not DeForest. You know what I mean? Like right. he's, not he's not a building. long guy who will he's lock not. you out. Like he's a shooter. Like you want him shooting through gaps. But what I think is interesting about that question is, are we even sure that the Browns would need to trade up again? So the Eagles are sitting at five and eight, and they have okay. games left against the Ravens, like we covered before, the Giants, and then they close out. Uh, against the Cowboys. I mean, that's a pretty realistic chance of them going 5-11 um, and 11 on the season. Yeah, 5-11, and 11, that'll... <clears throat> so I'm trying to think, after like, starting right now. After starting 3-0, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, fuck, fuck that team, man. Well, I mean, the, the Rams are going to do something worse than that. Like, the Rams... The funniest thing on earth was the Rams were, like, 3-1 and one or 4-1, and one, and oh, they still yeah. had a negative point differential. Yeah. And I was like, yo... No, people people were already talking about. Look, this team's not going to go seven and nine. This is the hottest start that the that the LA Rams have had in 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 forever. And I'm like, dude, look at their point differential. There's no way that they're going to be able to keep this up. Right. So close we, close wins are not close wins. Close wins are basically ties. And yep. As, as the soonest the soonest the shortest amount of distance that it takes for us to get there. Right. And understand that is the be- the best path for like us as like football fans. Like right. close wins are because so like right now like Philadelphia is not even oh Philadelphia would be picking ninth. Right. So if, <laughs> so if you're looking at teams ahead of them, it's New Orleans, Carolina, the Jets. I guess the Jets can go after a quarterback. The Tennessee Titans from the Rams pick they they don't need a quarterback. Uh, Chicago, Jacksonville. I don't think they're as much as Jacksonville needs a quarterback. I think they'll probably end up sticking with Blake Bortles because whenever we see someone pull the cord that fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then San Francisco. And if San Francisco, I mean, so basically, like, the only way that, I mean, we've talked about this before, was it's Deshaun and Kaiser for us, right? Yep. So there's two there's two teams that need a quarterback that pick before Philadelphia Slater right now. And really, I mean, that, that draft pick should only be getting closer to, you know, higher up as the number one pick. Um, so... Right. I'm I'm totally I'm totally fine with the team being like yo Miles Garrett's a transcendent talent we're taking him first overall and then we'll figure it out later. Right, and just for a reference point, last year the Jacksonville Jaguars went five and eleven and they had the fifth pick in the draft this year where they picked Jalen Ramsey. So assuming Cleveland loses out, and it, I, I think there's a very real possibility that the Eagles lose out too because they're just not a very good team and they have a pretty tough you know three game stretch to close the season. You, you could see Cleveland having the first and fifth picks in the draft, which if if you're – let's say you do end up taking Miles Garrett uh, number one overall, that fifth pick is valuable enough where you can move up a couple slots where you won't have to give up a lot to get that quarterback if you really want him. Yeah, and <clears throat> – goddamn, fuck this cough. Fuck the winner. Fuck everything. <laughs> um, the, the funny thing that I think, though, is like – I was teasing I was teasing Justin Hignan about this, and I'm like, how many picks do you think this little Moneyball team would go from like first the first overall pick to the second? Like, how many? Like, if you offered them like 15 day three picks, would they just be like, you know what? 
the numbers say the number you can't trust one one player. You can't trust one player in a league where a helmet can hit a knee. No way. We can trade these picks. Yeah, we'll go up to second and then we'll take we'll take I don't know, take John Allen second overall instead of Miles Garrett. Take Miles Garrett first overall. It's not that hard. Yeah. And then you know, I, I mean I just I don't I don't see how Hugh Jackson leaves that draft without Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's getting a quarterback. He, he's getting, he's getting a quarterback. quarterback. He's put up with too, too much bullshit this year, to you, be totally honest. You can see he is. He just wants one win on the season. You know, he 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 gave up on the Cody Kessler experience. He's not he's not fucking around with Josh McCown anymore. He, he's just doing anything he can to get one win. And fortunately, Hugh, I, I don't I don't see that happening. Well, this is this is the funny thing too, right? So if Cleveland gets one win, I believe. San Francisco has the weaker strength of schedule. Yeah, they do. And then San Francisco. So San, Fr- so San Francisco would get the number one pick. And if you get Cleveland with the second overall pick after San Francisco takes Miles Garrett, that's fucking chaos. Like Browns fans will have a fucking mental like breakdown. Yeah. Because history says when you when you when you do not have the number one option and you're the Cleveland Browns and you're sitting there, you usually you usually make the wrong decision every <laughs> single time. You you make horrible you you trade up and get Justin Gilbert, that's what happens. Yeah, that's true. Um, next question we have is from Matt Hoffman at Matt Hoffman NFL. Can you talk about how Jonathan Allen is not a defensive tackle prospect? He's not a defensive. So people need to show me these defensive tackle prospects who line up on the edge, because I've I've seen it the other way. But I've never seen it that way. You know what I mean? Like I, I've seen guys who are basically nickel D tackles, right? And they line up on the edge. But I've never seen like a full blown three down defensive tackle who plays defensive end in like even fronts in the in college football. I can't think of a single guy who did who did that. Yeah, neither can I. Jonathan Allen. People are overthinking this because of Jonathan Allen's size, man. He's not in Dominican Sue. He's not J.J. Watt. I saw someone say he was J.J. Watt. Someone say he was in Dominican Sue. Y'all are fucking crazy. Yeah. If you, the funniest thing is, you can go and read. Um, you know how Daniel Jeremiah, J- Daniel Jeremiah, So you know how he does. Uh, he'll do like the talking to scouts thing, right? Where he's yeah. like, "Yo, I talked to five scouts. These are their opinions." Someone was like, "They they asked him, who's Jonathan Allen's NFL comparison?" And one guy goes, "And Dominic Sue." A quicker who's Jonathan Allen, bro. He goes, "Who who's in, who's who's you know?" He asked another dude, "Who who's this comparison in the NFL?" This dude goes, "Gerald McCoy." He asked another dude. He goes, Brandon Graham. Like, that that's the spectrum that we're on for, like, Jonathan Allen. It's like he's either, like, a hundred – he's either a 250-pound pass rusher who's undersized coming out or he's the best fucking defensive tackle that we've seen in, like, the past decade drafted. Right. And, you know, I, I think just because he plays for Alabama and he's he's been so productive, people are just – they just want to overrate him kind of. But – I, we've, I think we've been on this And he plane. had the play, too. Right. Like, he the had the pl- one play that you can point to for a defensive player, which with is, like, the that was the same thing when, like, Clowney knocked that dude's head off yeah. uh, against Michigan. And they were like, this guy, he's the the god. And the people were like, why is this not happening every game? It's like, well, well that's not, it's fucking football, man. This shit doesn't happen every day. Right. And we've been on this comparison for about a year now, uh, Adrian Claiborne. And I think, yep. I've, like, I, I've had... Claiborne on the Falcons for what well, I think this is this is the second season and just the way that they play uh you know a base end and if you want to slide him inside uh for pass rush like nickel and dime sets that works too and they, like they both win with power and even like the moves they use they they both really like that push pull move and 
they're both really strong with their hands and they they can really go with their hand placement. So I, I think that's the kind of comparison you want for uh, Jonathan Allen. And th- this this isn't ragging on John Allen to say he isn't a great player. I think no, he I, could he could be Adrian Claiborne out the gate and like right. Adrian Claiborne out the gate is like if you look at this like rookie pass rushing class, right? I mean, he's probably only behind. He's probably behind someone like, I don't know, on a down to down basis, maybe behind like Leonard Floyd, right? Maybe, I mean, Noah Spence is only playing third down, so I'm not even going to go that far. Um, Joey Bosa and Yannick, yeah. So he's like, he'd be a top three pass rusher from this past draft class. And And that's him out the gate, and that's a super conservative, like, that's his baseline. Like, that's not, that's not his floor. It's where he's at, like, walking into the door. Yep. Um, and you know you're gonna get a top tier like run defending edge right out the gate. So yeah, just like if nothing if nothing else, he's gonna like. I really think that like if he had a carry Hyder year as a rookie, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Right. Which kind of brings us to our next question uh, from our NFL 1000 colleague Gerard Brown. Pick a franchise or two and give us a surprising player, uh, surprising player of the year, and an underperformed player. Uh, so. You you started off with the Lions and uh Kerry Hyder. Kerry yeah. Hyder is a defensive end for the Lions who has just just been really really productive here and uh Dude, this this dude's this his story is legitimately crazy. Basically, he was on the roster bubble. Um he was on the roster bubble heading into week 4 of the preseason and he made his first start. Uh he he had been either two or three years in the league. Um, and he had never recorded a sack, and then he had a multi-sack game in that la- in that last game, in that last preseason game, basically earned himself a start. Uh, Ezekiel Ansah went down. He ended up getting into the rotation in Detroit, and right now he has eight sacks, so he's tied for 12th in the league uh, in sacks. And he's like, he's that's as a rotational player one, right? Two, yeah. like he's actually he's actually very talented. Like this isn't a guy who's accidentally getting these sacks. Like this dude, this dude's about to be. I think he's going to be a restricted free agent or a exclusive rights free agent. So he's basically going to be a Detroit Lion next year. But in two years, like this dude's going to make very real money. Um, and he's a guy who came out of college as a defensive tackle. Like he's probably 20, 30 pounds lighter than he was at Texas Tech. And like he's just completely reshaped his body. Dude that put the work in. Like he's like every definition of what you want in like a football player where you're like gritty, hardworking, like gives up for the team, like run defender first, like very like he's a technician, um, strong dude, explosive. Like I don't he he's a guy who I think is like actually gonna hang around for a long time. So do I. And you know he was like you know he's one of those roster bubble guys because he's still rocking that number sixty one jersey. Yeah, so, yeah, he's wearing the number sixty one out Yeah, so so once he gets rid of that, maybe more people will start to take on and notice that he's actually a really damn good football player. Uh next question from uh uh low key Confucius at Jalen Muhammad. Um if you could take one player and add it to your team from the other person's team, who would you take? And it can't be a quarterback or wide receiver one. So I'm a Falcons fan. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, Julio. <laughs> Justice is a Packers fan. And uh, All right, so if you could take one player from the Falcons, who would it be? Does he have to be healthy? No. Give me Des. All right, yeah, I, that's give me, right. Give me Trufant. Yeah, give me, give me Trufant. It's that easy, man. These cornerbacks are horrible. Yeah, and mine would be Mike Daniels just – that's that's really easy. Yeah, let's get Mike. Yeah, that get, makes sense. Cause y'all y'all need a three tech. Yeah, like, I know y'all love Brady, but y'all y'all need a three tech. Y'all need help up there. Yeah. Watch Mike Daniels again. You saw Mike Daniels against Seattle or no? Yeah, I did. 
was a savage. Savage. You, I, I think th- this podcast will come out after we do the after the rankings drop, so I can say it. So it's like Mike Daniels is the highest graded three four defensive end for me. I I, I grade the NFC for Bleacher Report. Uh, NFL 1000 and uh, Joe Goodberry does the AFC and he was the highest graded for uh, three, four defensive end. Um, Seattle's offensive line is fucking horrible. Yeah. It's, it's brutally bad. It's, best. it's not fun. But yeah, can you, you imagine? Do something about that? Why, can you... why do people keep trusting Tom Cable? Who's, I don't know. Who's the last person who trusted Tom Cable and it worked out for him? I, 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 I really don't know. <laughs> just, just protect Russell Wilson at all costs, please. You don't need to make fake defensive linemen into offensive linemen. Just just draft some real people. What about basketball players? They're moving on. Wait, just wait. <laughs> They're gonna get some dude running track. Like, we'll just put 150 pounds on him. That I mean that George fans that the George fan story is honestly pretty cool. But come on, he sucks. He's bad. He's really bad. He's really really bad. Okay, uh, can you imagine like Mike Daniels and Vic Beasley on the same side? Oh. Yeah, I can. <laughs> God damn it, man. I don't know. Shouts to Force players. Shouts to Vic Beasley. Shouts to everyone who called him a draft bust last year, even though they didn't realize that with a torn labrum, this 22-year-old or 23-year-old pass rusher still led his team in sacks. That was pretty cool. Yeah. People are idiots, man. Edge God. Edge Daddy. Edge Daddy Yankee. All right. Relax. All right. We got a, one last question from our good pal, Hank Jones. How does Justice feel about his father, Kanye, leaving him? He left a long time ago, man. Kanye who? <laughs> Kanye who? <laughs> Look, I'm telling you, Kanye's trying to be Trump's blind trust. Did, did you see how uh, he tweeted out hashtag 2024? So, so before he was all oh Kanye. Oh, my God. So, so before he's, getting... he, he's, all Kanye, he's all Kanye 2020, goes out to me with Donald Trump one time. Now he's Kanye 2024. All right. So, like, this is the thing, right? Is like we can't even count out Kanye not being part of his cabinet. Yeah, no, we got Lyndon McMahon up there. So Lyndon McMahon's out here running the Small Business Bureau. Like, so we've got we've got two people. We've got Donald Trump and one person in his cabinet, and both of them have been at WrestleMania. That's <laughs> that's kind of where we are right now. So, like, Kanye, you think Kanye would be like, "Yo, make me Secretary of the Interior," and like not realize what Secretary of the Interior means? I don't think I don't think Trump knows what that is. So yeah, sure. Trump's Trump's just plugging. You just be like, that's what it's like. Uh, it's like when he put when he put fucking Ben Carson as the as the head of like, like urban public, housing or something. Yeah, urban housing. Yeah, Ben Carson. It's like urban. urban yeah, housing. just yeah, that makes sense. Hey, he's black. He knows what it's like <laughs> to be urban. Do urban housing? Okay, that works. God damn it, man. Yeah, they're, they're gonna they're gonna fucking firebomb this country at some point. Yeah, I'm not ready for this, just bro. That's it. what I'm saying. I tweeted this out last night, bro. Like. Do you think Trump knows about the aliens yet? No. You don't think he does? I don't think because that's anything. the thing. That's why I have like mo- mo- mobile notifications up on like Trump because like I gotta know when like either to dip the country or when like he's like, "Yo, aliens just dropped. Like we gotta get this shit going now. Production lines <laughs> right now." Oh, it, I don't. It's just if you just I don't know. I, we were talking about this last night and just kind of if you look at what Trump is, what he said and who he's aligning himself with and other things that's going on in the world. We're just kind of headed to a dark place. But this is not a political podcast, so that's going to end the second episode of 
setting the edge. Uh, you can find me, Charles McDonald, at Four Verts, and my lovely co-host, Justice Mosqueda, at Jumosk, at J-U-M-O-S-Q, almost said K. Uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, we made you guys richer this weekend, and thanks for listening.